0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements the quick platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts...
1: Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to episode 49 of the Quality Corner Show. This is our fourth episode in our series celebrating American Pharmacist Month. In the first episode, we spoke with Michael Hogue about the history and intentions of American Pharmacist Month. We followed that up by speaking with Julie Akers about implementing pharmacist provider status successfully. And last week, we spoke with Alex Adams about how elevating the role of the pharmacy technician will be essential to optimizing the role of the pharmacist. The next step in our series does seem obvious. We need to talk about what a pharmacist can do to help improve quality. Fortunately, pharmacists can work in a variety of settings and can improve quality in a number of ways. This may include opportunities for direct patient care, but it may also involve working in other healthcare sectors. As Michael Hogan and I discussed in episode 46, pharmacists working in new roles helps to spread the message of how pharmacists contribute to patient care and optimizing medication use. With that, I am incredibly excited to explore this topic today, and to help with the discussion, we do have a special guest that will help share their point of view and experience. With that, I am pleased to introduce Maria Scarlatos. Maria is not only a pharmacist, but is also a certified professional in healthcare quality. Maria, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Nick. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Before we start today's discussion, our audience does need to know about you, Maria, and your background in pharmacy. Can you tell us about your experience as a pharmacist and your passion for quality?
0: Sure. You know, I think one of the key reasons I'm the pharmacist that I am today is that I attended pharmacy school during the time that the Accountable Care Act was signed into law. I attended Northeastern University in Boston, the area I was born and raised. Um, and in the state, that was a model for the federal changes being proposed. And I was fascinated by the seemingly basic concepts of population health management and prevention being debated. Um, what was not debated, however, and is still quite bipartisan, is that the American healthcare system required delivery system reform to constrain costs while improving quality for all Americans. And that really lit a fire under me. I knew that if I could, I wanted to be part of this quest to make the system work in a way that rewards high quality care. So my next step after graduating was completing an executive fellowship with the Pharmacy Quality Alliance. And I know that this audience is likely very familiar with PQA. So I'll just say that this time in my career not only taught me the scientific methods involved for measure development, but exposed me to and really allowed me to collaborate with the many stakeholders involved in defining and measuring the quality of medication use at the national level. Um, and since my time at PQA, I've worked from the vantage point of two such stakeholders that are involved in that process. My first role after the fellowship was as a star ratings advisor for a large PBM. This involves consultations with health plans on ways to improve performance on measures um, such as those for medication adherence, patient experience, the CAP survey, um, and the MTM CMR completion rate, just to name a few. The next career change I made was to the pharmaceutical industry, um, the sector that I work in today. I currently serve as the U.S. Medical Affairs Quality Director at Merck. In my role, I engage with national quality organizations and thought leaders to consider mutual areas of interest for quality improvement. Um, and as a pharmacist, I didn't quite anticipate that my current role would exist. Um, it's definitely somewhat niche, but if there's anything I've learned along my journey to date, it's that value-based care and the quality movement have unearthed many more exciting opportunities for pharmacists than ever before.
1: Maria, that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. You're bringing a unique perspective that many pharmacists haven't thought about. I know when I was going through pharmacy school, uh, some of those career options did not exist, or maybe not to the extent that they are now. I hope our conversation today can help inspire pharmacists, pharmacy advocates, and student pharmacists to consider how they go beyond their comfort zone. Uh, We're going to talk about how pharmacists work in a variety of ways to improve patient health outcomes, and that's something we're all striving for, regardless of the sector that we're working in. Uh, We're going to go ahead now and jump into our conversation with Maria. So Maria, in our prior episodes, we've already covered how pharmacists can contribute as a member of the healthcare team. We've also covered the importance of improving quality in healthcare and some of the drivers for this movement. Uh, let's start from the frontline perspective and what you've seen. How have pharmacists in direct patient care roles contributed to the improvements in healthcare quality?
0: Yeah, every every day, whether they are directly aware of it or not, pharmacists are improving healthcare quality. Um, I like to think of quality as the translation of clinical guidelines into real-world clinical practice. What is recommended in a perfect, controlled setting is one thing, but pharmacists know better than most healthcare professionals that our patients don't live in a perfect world. They live in the real world. Patients have questions, concerns, priorities for their own life that may dictate their ability to take their medications as prescribed or follow their disease management plan. Being a resource for patients, educating them when appropriate and advocating for them when appropriate helps us in our mission to get as close to that perfect world scenario as possible. So what does that look like? Um, one example is how pharmacists can be part of the solutions to improve quality through decreasing rates of preventable disease transmission in the U.S., which is obviously a very timely topic right now. As a country, we look to the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices or ACIP for this guidance on how to address vaccine preventable diseases. But there are still so many gaps in, in meeting our goals and following the ACIP recommendations. So, for every interaction a pharmacist has with a patient that either identifies an immunization gap or fills an immunization gap, um, it's absolutely contributing towards improving quality for patients and meeting quality goals outlined by national
1: leaders. Maria, with this topic and thinking about it from the perspective of pharmacies, you talked about importance for pharmacists educating patients, following up on guidelines. And I, I may mangle the words a bit, but you referenced it's implementing clinical guidelines and that application for patients. That could be very difficult, especially depending on where you are, if you're changing roles And after you graduate pharmacy school. We know many pharmacists go into different roles, and there's just many new medications, many new guidelines. It's difficult for pharmacists to, to keep up with that information. So with with that as context, the use of quality measures, does that help keep people current or help keep that top of mind and by by the people here? I mean, the, I mean the pharmacists, is that helping them to set the importance on being current with clinical guidelines?
0: Definitely. That's a great question because quality measures are 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 absolutely based on clinical guidelines and translating that evidence into tools to help understand the gap. Um so for example, when we look at immunization measures like we were just talking about, they're highlighted inside of value-based programs because there is room for improvement. And so looking at a measure identifies, A, that there, this is an important goal to attain via the clinical guidelines, and B, that it's um, really necessary and that there's a lot of room for improvement. So it's a really great place to start for pharmacists that are wondering where to prioritize.
1: Yeah, great points, Maria. If it's uh if there's not room for improvement, it's not going to be a measure. And then the measures they are going to be updated as clinical guidelines are are changed based on information and resources. We've talked about that on prior episodes as well, how those measures may shift. It's not so much important that providers understand the exact specifics of the measure as it is right here, right now, because that is subject to change. It's important to understand the context and how they apply it to the the, the patient care practice. Marie, I'm gonna move us to our second question. And pharmacists providing direct patient care are the easiest ways to identify how pharmacists contribute to successful patient outcomes and quality improvement, but it's not the only way. Uh, What about the less obvious? There are pharmacists in a variety of other healthcare roles and many trends about pharmacists jobs in recent years have talked about expanding into technology, into pharmaceutical industry. Thinking about this topic, I'd like you to explore how do pharmacists that work for health plans, industry, drug manufacturers, technology companies, et cetera, I could list a lot more, but how do they all contribute to the conversation about pharmacists improving quality?
0: The less obvious is definitely my wheelhouse. So I, lo- I love this question because I'm passionate about the fact that pharmacists can be part of the solution for the many re- remaining quality gaps that exist within our healthcare system. As, since many of them are so complex, they require multifaceted approaches that draw from different types of stakeholders beyond those providing direct patient care and um, in, in support of those direct, providing direct patient care. So other roles for pharmacists to take on are ones that address the challenges that prevent the system from working properly for patients. Um, I'll, I'll share three examples of the types of roles that pharmacists might consider, although I'm sure there's many more. One, one area that I'd highlight is policy. There are roles, some of which are absolutely held by pharmacists that are focused on developing or advocating for policies that improve the system to address quality gaps. These exist, of course, in government, um, but also exist in the private sector at many healthcare companies of all types. Another area is population health management. These roles exist at health plans, in hospitals, within integrated delivery systems, and while the focus may differ slightly across organizations or maybe even be called something different, they all aim to address patient needs that may otherwise fall through the cracks, so to speak, if not evaluated in aggregate. For example, health plans may analyze data on readmission rates across a variety of patient and provider characteristics to identify fair trends and interventions that can help prevent as many inappropriate readmissions as possible. And pharmacists do really well in these roles because they understand how individual patient behaviors and healthcare um, contribute to that aggregate population health um, improvement overall. The last area I'll highlight is technology, as you mentioned, Nick. Um, this is such a broad topic and certainly there are countless types of roles that might fall into this bucket, but I think pharmacists are going to be more and more eligible to work at companies that offer healthcare system improvement solutions. This gets back to translating clinical guidelines into real-world clinical practice. Big data in tech is only as good as the, the brains behind it. Understanding patients and healthcare is vital to the success of these organizations and they need clinicians to help drive strategy and credibility. So, there's no reason pharmacists can't be those clinicians.
1: Maria, with with this, uh, how pharmacists get introduced to those position become, positions can become very important. When I think about it from either a student perspective or for a pharmacist that has been practicing for a while, there can be a perception that these positions are only available to those that are residency, fellowship trained, et cetera. But I think there's been enough examples where Pharmacists working outside of a comfort zone and 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 different practice experiences and being involved with items outside of their daily work um, can really contribute to these kind of roles. So, do you have any suggestions for pharmacists that think, hey, this may be an interesting career path? And if they are or are not residency or fellowship trained, is there still a pathway for them to be involved with these avenues?
0: My answer is absolutely yes. I think we all fall subject to imposter syndrome in all of our roles in that we we struggle to see how our experiences are very real and important and impactful experiences in a variety of sectors can be applied to other settings. It's easy to doubt that. So I guess first I would encourage um, pharmacists to be competent and um, put themselves out there and really try to Make the connections and how those skills can be transferred and utilized in different settings. It's easier said than done, but I I definitely would want to encourage that confidence. Um, But secondly, and more to your question, there are many ways to gain experiences outside of direct job opportunities. And, And not all of them are super expensive or time consuming. It may be listening to a webinar. Put on by an organization that you're not you're not very familiar with their work, and you'd like to learn more. Or many of the professional associations, alliances, quality groups that are doing really important work, and listening to the work that they're doing and understanding it, and if possible, becoming engaged or volunteering to participate in some of that work. Um, there's a lot of opportunities, and um, certainly we can we can talk about some of the specifics of that. But I, I definitely would encourage pharmacists to first think about where they're most interested in potentially working and then work from there to identify if there are any open volunteer or just public meetings that they can attend and learn more.
1: We're gonna use this opportunity, Maria, to transition to our third question because it's a very easy, uh, smooth transition on this topic. Quality does not happen in a vo- vacuum, and that includes the framework for quality improvement. This includes measure development. In some recent episodes, we've spoken about the importance of professional development or volunteer opportunities, and your, your answer to that last question hit, hit the nail on the head again. Uh, so we're going to talk about this more specifically. For those pharmacists that do want to be involved quality measures and quality framework development, How can they get involved specifically? Uh, Are there opportunities for pharmacists to share expertise, data collection, other contributions to the quality process? So you'd referenced in the last question that we could go a little bit deeper. Let's go ahead and dig a little bit deeper into into that. (laughs)
0: Sure. That's great. There's so much to do. Any pharmacist interested in getting involved can definitely find ways to do so within their current work settings you know, as well as, like I said, by volunteering their time and expertise to organizations already focused on other areas, including quality. So for quality, you know, in a current, in a pharmacist current practice setting, wherever that might be, um, one first step might be to see if they can identify a quality gap, maybe starting with a gap that has been learned from national data. So for example, we know that People with diabetes are at increased risk for kidney disease, and that regular screening in this population is an important way to prevent kidney disease or detect it early for appropriate management. But the National Kidney Foundation has stated that there's less than 50% of adults with diabetes receive an annual kidney health evaluation. And in fact, there's a new HEDIS measure focused on this very issue. One project a clinic, for example, may be able to measure is what this looks like in their own patient population. How that compares to national data, and then considering if there's any interventions to test for improvement. Another way to identify quality gaps is to speak with leaders within the organization you're working for and simply asking them what quality outcomes are are we being held accountable to. Um, Not only will this impress any leader that you ask because they're often kept up at night by these measures, but you'll find ways to be more relevant and impactful to your organization's success and your patients their needs. So outside of your own work setting, though, as I mentioned, there are other opportunities to get involved further upstream. Uh, Organizations like the Pharmacy Quality Alliance and the National Quality Forum are member-based. So can your organization join and contribute towards measure development or improvement activities? Or like I said before, maybe you can attend a conference put on by these or other organizations like um, the National Committee for Quality Assurance as well. Um, that you know maybe they highlight key quality issues and ways to get involved at those types of meetings. Or perhaps it's simply reaching out with an idea for a project that relates to a measure developed by one of these organizations, presenting a poster of one of your projects. Quality is a small world, so my best piece of advice is to show your interest, put yourself out there, um, because most involved in this space really love finding like-minded souls and collaborators towards improving quality.
1: When we look at quality in a healthcare space, Maria, I, there's a, an equation that's frequently referenced in in one of two ways: uh, value equals quality divided by cost. And when you referenced it from a standpoint of a, uh, you know, working within your own company, within your own the business that's there, there's inherently a part for the organization that there's going to be ways improving quality on its own is important item, right? If you're able to be improving the services or reducing costs for the organization that has its own benefit, it's a good item for the for the patients that are that are there. So really great way that everybody in an organization, whether they think of themselves as an advocate for quality, it's a part for all of us to play. So I'm going to go ahead and close us or get us to the end of today's conversation. And Maria, I really appreciate you joining our conversation and the insight that's been provided. It's been very helpful as we we typically talk about things that are applicable for community pharmacy, but there's a lot more that pharmacists can do. Uh, we, we do love our pharmacists that are on the front line and working directly with the patients, but there's a lot of different ways that we can be involved. It's been pointed to me many times as I was Growing up in pharmacy, that pharmacy is a small world, uh, and that appears to be true. And we're all, but we're also reaching a point where pharmacy is expanding into the larger healthcare system, and our small world is becoming not quite so small. In your introduction, uh, you included reference for your Boston roots, and there's a lot of things that uh, kind of come to mind for me about Boston, in the New England area. And as I transition us to our final question, we usually have something that's fun little bit more lighthearted for our guest. And while I could talk about the excellence and the quality of New England and Boston area sports teams over the last couple of decades, I'm going to focus on a different topic so that we're not upsetting too many of our listeners. Uh, Boston, aside from that sports aspect, is also considered to be the home of the American Revolution from Great Britain. Is there an easy parallel, therefore, that you can draw about pharmacy and the quality revolution and how we're going to be helping to change the, the healthcare team. So Maria, I'll be interested to get your thoughts here on this quality revolution and how pharmacists have a role to play.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I enjoy the drama of this question. Um, I don't know that it's an easy comparison, but you know, I said in the beginning that I've always wanted to be part of this quest to make American healthcare work in a way that rewards high-quality care. And we're slowly but surely getting there. I, I think it's easy to look around and wonder if any progress has been made sometimes, but um, there there are key milestones that point to increased accountability towards patient health outcomes and a decreased reliance on fee-for-service payment models. According to the Healthcare Payment Learning and Action Network, um, only 39% of U.S. healthcare payments are purely fee-for-service at this point doesn't mean that they're purely value-based or capitated in nature, but um, I think that that's a really interesting fact and um, powerful one to, to consider. And, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic as well, there's been recent studies by the Duke Margolis Center for Health Policy that have also highlighted some of the ways that providers and systems are more well-positioned for fee-for-service volume downturns in the pandemic if they have a greater proportion of their payments linked to value, value-based payments, which are often prospective in nature. And that makes sense. And yet sometimes it it, it takes these types of experiences to, to change perspectives. So the system's evolving to survive the changing world, both figuratively and literally. And with that comes for more financial risk. And I say all of this because the more that providers and systems are held accountable to meeting the triple aim, simultaneously improving patient experience, improving the health of populations, and reducing cost of care, the more that pharmacist skills and knowledge will be valued. And I I truly believe that there there can't be high quality health care without the services that pharmacists provide, period. While medication therapy is clearly not the whole picture for high quality patients under care, it's a critical component to disease management and prevention. So I think the revolution has begun and pharmacists that are excited to be part of the greater healthcare changes will be most successful and rise to that occasion.
1: We've got a lot of pharmacists that are out there like uh, Paul Revere riding through Boston to to warn (laughs) everybody or to get everybody uh, aware that the the British are coming. In this case, is I think we've we've got pharmacists, select pockets of pharmacy or pharmacy advocates that are out there to let the rest of the healthcare team know that pharmacy is coming. That we're gonna we're gonna help change the world. All right, Maria, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, our final, actual final question for for you. You've been a great guest. You've provided great insight into how pharmacists contribute with other aspects of healthcare, uh, You do have a unique role, and I'm sure there's going to be people that are interested in hearing uh, from you or they'd like to reach out. So if you don't mind uh, sharing with our audience, if somebody does want to get in contact with you, where do they find you?
0: Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It's been my pleasure. Um, I'll definitely encourage people to find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. Um, if you mention this podcast, and I'd be happy to connect with any pharmacist looking to Learn more about roles and quality. It'd be my pleasure.
1: Thank you, Maria. This was a great topic for us to cover today. And I, again, appreciate you've shared your experience and insights about pharmacists contributing to success and improving health care quality. As a profession, we do need pharmacists to take on new and bold roles. Getting pharmacists who are the medication experts involved in more roles does help to share the message about how pharmacists are a necessary part of the healthcare team. These conversations, they may not be easy at first since we are sharing a message that is new or has never been heard by many audiences. Let's face those challenges head on because we know that pharmacist involvement is beneficial for the patient and to improve their health. While this will be closing out the episode, we do have one remaining episode in this series for American Pharmacist Month. We've talked about current challenges and opportunities. Next week, we're going to continue talking about pharmacy and specifically its future. We're going to be bringing on the student perspective to talk about what's new in pharmacy. I hope you will once again join us as we do finish our series for American Pharmacist Month. And with that, I again appreciate you listening to the Quality Corner Show. We do have one final message from the PQS team. Our team here at PQS has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share this with two friends and each of them shares it with two friends, it really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.